did you prep for the right show? I <laughs> I did this time. We I should we should say very clearly this is a late show uh, that we were supposed to. This whole afterthoughts on on Bill Martin was supposed to come out to you all last week, and mm-hmm. Dodge and I gathered and. Uh, we were all ready and we pushed record and then discovered that Dodge had prepared for an afterthoughts that we had already released. <laughs> <laughs> well, I listened to the show that Pete sent me to set, you know, to prepare on. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this sounds familiar. I could swear that I've made some of these points before, but at least I know what I want to talk about. And then I get on and Pete's like, Dodge, we're not talking about Jerry. And I was like, well, why'd you send me the Jerry show? He's like, did I send you the Jerry show? <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. It, and I was like, well, I, why didn't you tell me I sent you the Jerry show? I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I just thought I would have that conversation again. I don't ah. know, man. Uh, this time we're we're really ready. We're really ready. Well, what stood out to you, man? I got to say, listening to dear Bill Martin again, I love that guy. I loved yeah. the show. I loved his books. I just... I so enjoyed talking with him. Yeah, he's he's pretty down to earth guy. I got to tell you, I haven't been able to remember his last name, Martin, uh, because I my brain has so sufficiently supplanted Martin with Dow. He's just Bill Dow, and that's always <laughs> who he's going to be. The Dow of Bill. <laughs> yeah, Dow Bill. Bill's Dow. Bill Dow. Bill's oh, you mean William Dow? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was really fascinated by a couple of points. And first of all. I feel like I just learned a great truth about Santa Claus, if you know what I mean, when he says that that uh, uh, Lao Tzu is probably legendary. <laughs> probably legendary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least semi-legendary. And uh, I thought that was awesome uh, because it never occurred to me that he wasn't. It never occurred to me that he wasn't this mystical fe- figure, but that, I'll tell you why this is great. And this is not me as a skeptic, right? This is me saying that there is somebody who was the seed of great wisdom that is genuinely good and healthy and not divisive and doesn't aspire to war and conquering and proselytization and uh, that it it is just... It is just presented in the spirit of goodness. And the fact that that could still be something worth talking about today is a great balancing factor in the universe for me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Am I making any sense at all? The the idea that that uh that, you know, some human back there, some actual person could yeah. could be the the germination of such extraordinary and lasting wisdom, and then disappear a little bit into the haze of legendary history. Yeah, and and be hard to distinguish from you know what's been made up about him and and what was historically so. Yeah, and and the and fact maybe that that's Bill... true of all the great ones, right? I mean, like yeah, the the Buddha was said to have been born. Um, almost fully formed and able to stand and talk from day one, and it, I think you know, that's probably a bit of a legend. <laughs> I probably so. It's if not, it's an, really horrifying to all of women who've given birth to imagine his poor mother's experience <laughs> that day. <laughs> um, and it's it's harder to kind of know more about the historical Jesus 
um, versus the miraculous Jesus yeah. versus, you know, where there's legendary embellishment, where there's stuff lost in translation on purpose or by accident. I mean, it's 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 this way when you fast forward twenty five hundred years or so. Yeah, right. Yeah. Which I find crazy and uh, kind of fantastic because so much of the other stuff that we talk about, I mean, you bring up the sort of the uh, Jesus in, and uh uh, Muhammad and like any of the other great sort of spiritual leaders and figures um, have been have provided the seed for great consternation over the yeah. the many many years right great struggle and battle and war and um and and the great cycles of and I just don't see any of that with the Tao like nobody's fighting over the Tao if you fight yeah. over the Tao it's not the Tao yeah you know what I'm saying right that that was a that was a beautiful thing that stood out for me. If you can write it down, it's not the Tao. If you yeah. if you can speak the Tao, it's not the Tao. That's super which confusing. Of, but which I of love course it. is probably again true of Buddhism and Christianity yeah. and Hinduism and you know and so on. Um, well, yeah, that's a really good point. As soon as you to... start documenting it, it becomes it, it becomes something else. Able to be militarized, right? militarized weaponized canonized yeah, weaponized, right. you know it just it gets it gets it, as soon as we try to bottle an experience or a truth it becomes something else it it yeah. pickles <laughs> <laughs> it is Gross. no longer a Gross. cucumber Gross. right <laughs> it, uh, it pickles so, in that jar um i i thought that was fantastic but, that was very touching. but but it is absolutely fascinating that taoism seems to be the only you know, great world religions, let's say, over which there has not been enormous dogma, um, or for that matter, a lot of fighting. Part of me, as I heard him say that, was thinking, well, it may have something to do with the fact that no one can understand what the hell he was really saying. Like, only yeah, the that's... most sophisticated listener who sits down um, for a nice long time to listen has any idea what this paradoxical document is getting at. And yeah, it's, so it's in, a, in lot a thousand years, we'll be doing that with, like, machine learning documentation, right? Like, <laughs> nobody, get, nobody gets it. You're making it up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So there's a lot of really beautiful paradoxical stuff in here. Um, yeah. And you know very well, like, that as I was preparing for this and after talking with him, I spent a good amount of time going, man, I wonder if that's what really this show is. Yeah. I said that to him. It's, I mean, yeah. it's been my hobbies, my career. I just had never really noticed how much Taoism is just um, woven into everything I care about. And it's even made me wonder, like, would I want to change the name of the show to something like the Tao of Change instead of the mm -hmm. Change Paradox? Because it's really all the elements of the of of change that all the Taoist elements of change that I find so fascinating, but especially the paradoxical ones. Anyway, we've talked about it. We'll see what what, what happens. Percolates, with that. yeah, yeah. What percolates in the end? This whole idea of trying to figure out uh, the line between um action and inaction in this in in the mm. spirit of the Tao, like how to yeah. how movement is not movement and i guess that's what you're talking about i mean that's the the central paradox of taoism and um uh but but boy does it come into focus 
when you have it on the brain and you are met with an opportunity to create conflict or a a situation of stress, a professional situation of stress, something worth arguing about at home, something you feel like you need to to gear up for, to muscle up for. Uh, And and then I have Bill Dow's voice over my head, uh, (laughs) you know, just uh, sitting on my shoulder, kind of reminding me, um, you know, what would Lao Tse do? What if he were sitting under that tree and he were writing about this experience that you're having right now? What do you think he would be writing? And I met with the paradox. Like, um, it, I, it makes me think of, uh, uh, who was it? It was um, um, notorious RBG, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who said sometimes in a marriage, it's, it's a real benefit to be a little deaf. That is a Taoist uh, perspective for me right mm. that that is a when when confront when confronting conflict um at some point would the dao encourage me to be a little deaf in order to uh navigate my way through peace mm. in the spirit of peace and so that's been on my mind like that confronting any opportunity where i feel like i'm already getting emotional about it uh how how do i pivot how do what would how would the dao encourage me to pivot yeah, I think you got your finger right on the the most mysterious element of all of this. Uh, a huge part of that is expressed in that idea of Wei Wu Wei, or sometimes shortened to just Wu Wei, that doing without doing, mm-hmm. um, which really is is like how do we how do we do without forcing it? Yeah. How do we let it naturally arise from us instead of doing the thing we normally do? And then built it into that, that's so freaking fascinating to me, is this idea of kind of mutually arising opposites. Talk about that. Remember when he was talking about constellation? God, he he used that word a lot. Yeah. And and he used it in all kinds of different forms. To constellate? I've never considered using a word that word that way right 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 that's a cool verb yeah i think what i understand taoism saying is so first of all this this part's not so hard to understand um we can't even know what tall is if we don't have a concept of short right we can't know what light is if we don't have an idea of dark everything in this world of form is is understood you know, every peak of a wave is understood in the context of its trough and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So a wave can't arise out of the sea without borrowing water from somewhere and it creates a trough. Taoism, mm-hmm. I think, would say we have to remember um, when we are creating a wave um, that we're also going to be creating a trough. We have to be careful what we constellate because of this law of mutually arising opposites. And so some part of us, when we go fighting for a particular outcome, is constellating another part of us that's fighting the outcome. Unless we are really in sync with the Tao. So I came across this poem that I love. I love, love, love this poem, and I have for years, and it was one of those, like, you know, Facebook is reminding you of posting this five years ago kind of moments yeah. where it popped up. And this poem was written by my Tai Chi teacher's teacher's teacher. 
his name was Chung Man Ching, and he was really probably the, the greatest and easily the most famous, if not the greatest, um, Tai Chi teacher of, you know, the last, say, century. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also a professor of kind of many, many things and a towering intellect in China at the time. And he really kind of rethought of Tai Chi in new ways and taught it in new ways and kind of reworked the form in ways. And it's now the most popular way it's it's practiced in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, really wise man, also an incredibly loving man. There's a wonderful story of of him. Um, he, he was in a just a phenomenal martial artist. Uh, and he was with his top student in New York. They'd gone out to lunch and they get mugged on in broad daylight by some punks with nothing, maybe knives with them. And they want his wallet. And the student smiles thinking to himself, God, they have no idea what old man they're holding up. This is going to be funny. And Chung Men Ching pulls out his wallet and peacefully, even cheerfully hands it to them. Yeah. Right. And afterward, yeah. the guy's like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. What was that? Like, you could have eaten these guys for lunch. And he was like, ah, I live with too many ghosts already. They must have needed the money more than I did. Yeah. Right? So this is the guy we're I'm about to read a poem from. So check this out as we're thinking about, um, you know, the way we seek or what we're trying to do or create in the world and how differently he thinks about it. Here it goes. Do not seek to become powerful. Seek only to release fear from the body-mind. Do not chase after joy. Only breathe out your pain, your grief, your loss. Do not ask for mastery. Ask only to shed that which is unnatural and disharmonious. Darkness and day follow each other. Heavy is the root of light. Stillness is the mother of movement. Emptiness is the source of ten thousand things. Release, breathe, shed, stand still, undo. Let your tears fall into the earth beneath your feet. Let your sorrows sink and become your root. What you thought was weakness will become your strength. Where fear has been dissolved, Laughter blooms. After looking inward, the spirit rises. That's really cool. And I think that gets to it gets to what I was trying inelegantly to say before. Um, you know, when you say what it means to be in sync with the Tao, uh, the experience of the old man getting held up at knife point and giving away his wallet, he is a guy who is consciously aware, maybe subconsciously aware, of the trough that the wave is creating. And I think that is, most of us just experience the wave. Yeah. Yeah. Without being aware of the trough, that that there is a deficit somewhere in our lives that's causing, or that, that will cause some sort of imbalance when we are, when we're living in the wave. Yeah. So there's, I mean, beautiful. You're right. There's that element of it. He's a wave that he's a, he's a wave. He's aware that he could have asserted power there. Yeah. And coming with it would be powerlessness. Yes. Yeah. 
a powerlessness over the ghost of of the guy you know whose arm would never work right again or whatever right. um but uh he instead joined the moment and cheerfully yeah. gave the money away and taught his, his his lead student a wonderful lesson as he did it yeah um this is so Taoist. here's another example um which you know it 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 creates really interesting action when you're when you're working in wisely um in chinese medicine which is very very taoist um they often seem to be working in you know opposite the direction we would expect them to so dr shang who is you know my doctor and colleague and landlord and teacher of many 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 years <laughs> and dear dear friend um she would surprise me on a regular basis, you know, as we were in session, I would ask her about something and I, I would just be, be like, wait, what? Um, and she would often laugh at me and she'd say, remember, to pull a weed, you must first stomp it into the ground. Push it downward yeah. first and you then do? pull it upward. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, you have to break the root. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I just have the teeth thing. You know, the teeth, you stab down there and it clamps down. You yes, get it clamp and just grabs yeah, it, right? It's, it's a clamp. That sort crap. of works. Um, so when I at one point was saying, Dr. Shang, I'm just having a rough week, man. I, I'm just wondering, I feel so disconnected from God. Is there some way that, um, you know, your needles could help me? Uh, what do I need to do? And she said, without missing a beat. As if she got this question, you know, regularly. <laughs> she said, yeah. it's your route. <laughs> to go up, you have to go down. And I was like, wait, what? And she was saying, your connection to the earth is the problem. And so she <laughs> did all these points in, in my feet. And she said, I want you to breathe down through your feet all the way down into the earth. Then you can connect to God. And it worked. So <laughs> strange. But how often are we working the wrong direction yeah. you know well that's why we use the word grounded right grounded right. that implies readiness for growth and change and strength not wild so what else stuck out for you with uh, bill dow <laughs> bill dow i was thinking a lot about just kind of softness in the world i mean watching my teeth clench when i am aware of some news flash about something that seems bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. And trying to notice all the funny ways that I'm, I'm in a sense, just in, I'm in that same wave. I'm just on the, you know, the other side of it. Like I'm in the exact same energy. I just want to go the other way. I, you know, I've assumed the same disdain, the same superiority, the same dehumanizing thoughts about them that they seem to have about me and the people I care about. You know, I can so easily, as an, you know, an activist, even if I'm an activist only in my own mind reading headlines, take on the same violence I wish to soothe in the world. So we had this experience, I don't know, do you, do you watch the, uh, the CBS Sunday morning? Do you watch that show? <laughs> not very often, no. Yeah. We have a little ritual. I, mean, I have certainly a lot in the past, but not lately. It's it's okay, man. You don't have to show off. It's okay. <laughs> uh, 
we uh, we have a little ritual around here where we wake up uh, early in the morning on Sunday. It, it airs at seven, and so we get up at six forty-five and we make the coffee and we sit down and we watch it because we, it's, you know, it's kind of a pretend news show. Like they, yeah, they talk about news and they have correspondents, but mostly it's it's a journalist who happens to live in Italy and talks about food most of the time, right? That's really what Sunday morning is. And this last week, they um, they did a whole hour and a half on policing in this country. And it was just the atrocities. It was awful. And it was awful about, here's how bad we're doing it here. Here are the one or two isolated human interest stories about that where they were getting it right. Here's what's going on around the country or around the world where there's, you know, policing is happening in a better and more humane way and all of that, right? I we got about two stories in and we turned it off and because I I couldn't I couldn't face it right and I've been feeling the the sort of guilt about having to turn it off and part of the reason I turned it off is because it's not why I tune into Sunday morning I need the pretend news about quiches is what I really need I need to be able to to you know uh, com- complain about, you know, home decorating stories, right? That, that's what I really need. And they gave me real truth, like real talk. And I was not a good good time for me to do it. But I've been feeling guilty about it. And I've been trying to put my finger on it, on why. Because obviously, it is important. It's important as a citizen that we understand these things. We've done shows on this very subject, shows that are hard to listen to because of of the detail that comes out around police violence. Um, and, and so that balance between feeling like to be an informed citizen, I need to be present in the reality of my country and feeling like uh, I need to hide from the assault of it. Right. Mm-hmm. That that is a paradox that is hard to to live in around some of the things that we're dealing with in this in the body politic in this country right now around race and privilege. And 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 in fact, it is I recognize a huge privilege that I even can turn it off. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, there there are so many who cannot turn off who they are and why they are, you know, subject to uh, these stories. And so I've been thinking about, you know, uh, what is the what is the wave and the trough of that experience for me? Being able to take out my the the rage of my privilege on CBS Sunday morning, which is mm. ridiculous, objectively ridiculous, mm. and it it just it's been it's been kind of getting me worked up a little bit about it. And and doesn't isn't that indicative of where we are right now? Right where we all in some capacity, walk around in the wave, right? Aware of the trough behind us or not, but existing in that sort of heightened experience of tension and reaction just because of what we have created as human organisms in this country right now. The world is really, really young right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we are in these waves, of course, um can be really, really big, really, really long-acting waves. Yeah. And uh, lots of these waves started way before our lives started. Mm-hmm. And will be 
you know, working Present their way long out. After. Long afterward. Um, I'm really, I'm really curious about that. You know, if there's, if there's anything to astrology or to some of the Hindu, you know, sages, um, kind of prophecies, predictions, observations about the great waves of humankind, mm-hmm. we have reached a pinnacle of of yang of masculinity in in human history. And uh, we're beginning to to move the other way. But as you know, as a raise, you know, we all know what happens at the peak of a wave. Like there is a whole lot of action right there at that as that wave curls and crashes, and yeah. we're in it. Yeah, I think you know, insofar as that experience of feeling like I'm both uh, present and hiding <laughs> at the same time. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the challenge right that's the challenge for for me and i i sit back and i think what is uh what is what's Lao Tse saying under the tree right now what is he saying about the wave and the trough what's he saying about the opposites to to help sort of move through when when existing inside of that state of conflict and stillness is the mother of movement sometimes we have to kind of be quiet go quiet for a while um it's hard to know, you know, for me sometimes whether I'm in avoidance or whether I'm finally in non-reactivity and I'm just letting myself be with it. I am trying to take kind of more action in my inaction, uh, bring more stillness. So a lot for me ends up being in the prayer side of it. like. Not just in the dear God that sucks, fix it kind of mm-hmm. prayers, um, but in you know, can I send meta Buddhist loving kindness to an issue or a group or a part of the world? Um, can I uh, can I meet even the those who seem to be playing the parts of villains in my reading of the script, can I, can I somehow meet them inside with compassion mm-hmm. and not with my steadfast certainty that this is bad and this is good and the only way pe- this gets better is if it changes the way I think it should change. Like, I, I don't know that that's always the case. It's almost always more complicated than I think. And there are almost always at least some really good people on the other side of a point of view that mm-hmm. uh, give me pause. I'm really lucky in my job to, you know, to have to get to work with so many wonderful people and not all of them agree with me. And they teach me a lot of neat things. Um, so I've been practicing not knowing things for sure recognizing how often life laughs at me when I think I do know something for sure. Um, but also where I can also listen, you know, f- feeling for that place where it feels like some deeper movement um, is calling me to take some action. There's a, uh, you know, we've, we've talked before I had went through this whole period where I was, I was, uh, trying to reduce the number of strong opinions I had about things. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because it, it, there was a while where I found I feel strongly about everything. 
Like I'm just letting myself get riled up about every little thing. Like just, yes, I want breakfast burritos for dinner and I will have my breakfast burritos. Why would I have a strong opinion about that? Uh, And so it it was sort of a meditative, like every fork in the road that I, I came to, I had to stop and sort of take a breath, find myself and think, do I really care about the breakfast burrito issue at hand? And the answer what is... What am I constellating with this? Most, <laughs> most often, the answer is, I do not care about said breakfast burritos that much. And people started laughing at me because, like, it became my constant footnote. I have no strong opinion about this. What do you think we should watch tonight? I have no strong opinion about this. It was enormously liberating, enormously liberating. But as with most things, the pendulum doth swing both ways, right? <laughs> um, and eventually I, I found, you know what? I, I think the act of not caring about or not having many <laughs> strong opinions means you actually do have to stop and think, do I have any strong opinions anymore? Like I've sort of habituated this act of not caring about stuff. And suddenly I'm living the, in the living embodiment, embodiment of idiocracy, right? Mm. Like now I, I just don't care about anything. And so I, I feel like there is a, uh, a, there is that, that place in the middle where you do get to be reflective before you reach avoidance. That's the, that's the reason I, I wrote that down uh, avoidance because that is the the sort of unintended outcome of my little experience with no strong opinions is suddenly it became too easy to avoid the hard things. Here's what flashed as you were saying that the pendulum doth swing both ways. <laughs> Help me sort of understand this idea of, of constellating. Like, as soon as you get real active about this idea that this huge heavy pendulum belongs over there, and you get busy shoving it over there, guess what you put in motion? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's kind of what they're talking about, about mutually arising action. So when, you know, when, when you're shoving the pendulum with will, um, this is what comes about. Yeah. Um, but but that's the paradox, too, is that the pendulum cannot stand still. Like, you start thinking, well, sure, it'd be great if it was just right in the middle all the time. But it kind of can't because that leads to apathy. Does it? I don't know. It does to me. I feel like the act of, of the pendulum swinging is what brings around a necessary conflict that allows you to see things from other perspectives, other points of view. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that mm-hmm. can that could be fine. So I studied medical Qigong, for those of you out there who don't know that about me. Um, And they talk about these different energies. uh, And intention, E, is different from will, (laughs) which is different from the enactment of of effort toward one's will, you know? Mm -hmm. And in the Tai Chi world, what they say, I'm getting somewhere, I promise I'm coming back to that, um, is that you want the intention to guide the chi and the chi to guide the body rather than just move your muscles around. Mm-hmm. And so because it's it's a much, much quieter way to be in motion 
like it then it's like the universe it's it's like you're just raising a sail rather than pulling out the oars so your intention is aim the boat towards shore draw the sail up mm-hmm. and begin to catch a breeze that already would gladly take you in rather than get into this splashing about of, you know, rowing and rowing and rowing till your back breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, what I wonder about is, like, do we have to shove the pendulum um, to get to the other side of it? Or is there is there a way that we can, like, hold an intention for a change that that doesn't have to be so driven by our certainty that the only way to create that change is through the outcome we want. Like, can we be involved in the process without being so freaking determined about the outcome? Yeah. And I, I wonder if we're talking, maybe we're talking about different things or I didn't, didn't ex- explain sort of my act of, of awareness that comes from the pendulum metaphor, because I, I kind of feel like if like the, I I need to, explore and experience hard things in order to uh, to have new uh, ideas and new uh, experiences and new feelings about the opinions that I have, that I hold deeply, the, the things I feel strongly about, they need to be tested over time, right? And so let's say, you know, I, I need to be dragged into a strong opinion in order to see the trough behind it, right? That's kind of where the metaphor comes, comes in, to see the empty space behind it. It's, it's not necessarily that the act of will itself or intention, I may be using those wrong uh, from your explanation, but it, it's not as if the act of intention is necessarily an ill, is it? No, the, definitely not the intention part. Um, the 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 will i think is where we start to where we start to constellate opposites it is this act of of taking a taking a stand is that a willful act um, like okay let's say i have a strong opinion about police violence for example is that a is that a willful act or willful statement this this gets really blurry i mean it's a great question yeah. Yeah. um let's say I mean, especially when you're talking about subjects so huge and so complex involving so many. Uh, Do we need to go back I, I, to the breakfast burritos? Because that's always there. That's back pocketed. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go back to breakfast burrito for a minute. Because I think not that's expect simple. that. Yeah. Okay. Let's yep, do this. We're going to do this. Got, this yep, is getting real. This. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, the the will is I'm going to damn well have my breakfast burrito. Mm-hmm. The intention beneath it is probably, I want to enjoy dinner. The problem with asserting one's will about the breakfast burrito is there's a real chance you're going to create a fight with a whole lot of people who think that they were kind of beyond that, you know, at breakfast time. Um, And you really are going to push your damn breakfast burrito and they just would like to have something that sounds more like dinner to them. Um, And before you know it, uh, even if you've gotten your way, you haven't enjoyed dinner at all. The whole thing's been an argument. Yeah. You and sort so of sucks piece, the life out of it. Yep. So a piece of what I hear you saying is, I'm kind of tired of getting so attached to getting my way that I can't enjoy anything if I don't get my way. And for that matter, I'm creating a lot of conflict in my life, at least, you know, in arguments happening in my head with people yes. I disagree with. Yep. Uh, 
And I don't so walk maybe around I need... with a you know with a rattle screaming. I want my way. I want my way. Yeah, that's yeah. not you know, that's, not that's fun totally not. Like. You. I just um yeah. But but we a lot of us. I mean, politically right now, this whole damn country is stuck in this thing where we are wanting our way and we're furious with somebody about not getting it. Um. So again, that that gets us yeah. into really complicated territory. But staying but it with does, the, but the it breakfast doesn't. I think you could let's just substitute. You know any you know, a, a highly charged debate for breakfast burrito. I mean, if breakfast burrito were like nationalized healthcare or, you know, the vaccination rates or, you know, whatever right. it could be right now, like that burrito right. could represent just about anything. And I, I think I'm getting where you're going. The, the, the belief that like feeling emotionally about my breakfast burrito isn't necessarily the wrong thing, right? feeling so emotionally that I exert authority in such a way that everybody ends up losing is not a great thing. What might be a great thing is rewinding to my intention is to enjoy dinner. Yeah. I'm going to have a wonderful dinner. I'm going to enjoy this time. I'm going to enjoy my meal. I'm going to really be in my body and in my hands and in my mouth and in the love I have for my family. And I don't know what it was is that, that I'll be sticking in my face at but the moment. none of that is allowed, it invites me to separate from my strong opinion that I really like breakfast burritos. Yeah. I might, I might not eat one tonight, but if yeah. I get all of column A, which is I'm going to thrive through dinner, whatever I put in my face, then I can also still say, you know what also is great is breakfast burritos. That gets back to exactly, this is exactly where I wanted to go, which is this idea. This is why I did my whole little experience of not having strong opinions about stuff because I was really, what I was doing was separating the burrito from the will of always eating burritos. And then you start to go, but wait, I've lost track of how much I love breakfast burritos. And yeah. I think Lautza and Bill Martin and lots of people who are wise enough to understand this better than I do, would probably say, no, you don't have to let go of loving breakfast burritos. You might want to just get a little less attached to the outcome of having your damn breakfast burrito right now. Because yeah. there may be a better way to fully enjoy dinner, which was the real intention. And maybe an example we could, so, okay, maybe we can take this to this bigger political place where people are feeling really active. Some are feeling very activated by the need to change police forces and defund police because they are not equipped to handle mental health issues and so they're doing lots of violence. Um, and in the process, uh, they may not even be aware of what their deeper intention is. All they know is they're sure police forces have become bad. Other people out there are super activated saying, no, 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 it's criminals who are bad. We need more police and they also often have lost track of their deeper intention. And the funny thing is, the deeper intention for both of them is we need peace. Yeah. We need people to be able to live without fear of being hurt, either yeah. by criminals or by cops. Yeah. And I'm wondering if we could hold that intention without getting so into forcing that into the world through the one means we're sure it it can come, we might be closer to the way we weigh, the sort of doing without doing, the action without force. 
the sailing without rowing. Here's the thing that I am absolutely sure of, that beginning today, you will begin using the breakfast burrito as a metaphor in your own practice. Because I think we just unlocked something really powerful, you and I, today. Really powerful, Pete. Yeah, this is pretty That's special. That's going to change everybody's day. <laughs> the, the breakfast burrito is all I will think about till dinner time. I need to write Bill Dow and tell him we've got something. He can have it. He can, he can have it. It's, he can have a it's breakfast free. burrito. He can have it. He can use it, whatever he needs. It will unlock the Dow, I think, in a way that he's never experienced. The Dow of burritos. <laughs> right. Thank, the the th chef's Dao De Ching is his next book. I can feel it coming. <laughs> mm -mm. You're welcome, Bill. You're welcome, We love Bill. you. <laughs> Thanks, B. Uh, I love you, Pete. Love you, buddy. <laughs>